0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.
1: It is time for Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Both are off tonight along with Jordan Renan. I am Jeff Dickerson. We are presented by Progressive Insurance and all guests on this show appear via the Goodyear hotline. So here's what happened tonight. ESPN said, let's get the two NFL reporters together <laughs> whose teams are a combined one in five on the season. Jordan, this is a, a powerful Jeff. combination here.
2: I'm the Giants reporter, by the way, just for the people who don't know, and you are the Bears reporter. So, yeah, I, you, you know what I'll say to that? You at least know what a victory is like. Covering a victory these days, I have not experienced that th- yet this year. Have not experienced that yet in September. Each of the last two years, have not. I've only experienced it twice out of the last five years. It's been a struggle for the Giants. It's not going well.
1: Well, that is not true, well. my friend. But just wait until I read you the Bears' offensive numbers from yesterday in Cleveland, and you it might go be well for Justin Fields. Did not go well is an understatement. Uh, I got a big Ooh. Monday night matchup tonight in Dallas, Cowboys against the Eagles. And Jordan Dak Prescott's first game at AT and T Stadium since that injury. You Have to figure it's going to very very be a very emotional night for him.
2: That is uh, going to be a wild atmosphere there. You've been there before. It's actually my favorite. I don't know about if I had to rank stadiums, like that's up there. That that's probably my number one and. Covering the Giants, you go there every year for the opener. Pretty much, they played openers against each other for like five straight years, almost. And it's always a party there for like the the opener. I mean, it's really always a party there. That stadium is great. It's huge. It's a big party. Uh, I think more than almost any other stadium I've been to, the female contingent is larger. There just seems to be more because it, it, that's the atmosphere. Is it's not it, it's not just a male dominated crowd. It's more like a party. Everybody shows up. It's a big event there. And I think that's what you're going to get tonight because first game back, huge crowd in Dallas. Dak, his first game back since he – I was there when he, his leg was facing – or they were playing the Giants, his leg was facing the other way. Um, but he looks good. So I think it's it's going to be a, a fun game for Cowboys fans. I think they're probably going to enjoy that one because Dak Prescott is in that upper echelon of quarterbacks, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I, I Honestly, the more I watch him, the more I realize dude's legit. I don't know if you know what that's like, Jeff. I don't know if you've seen a guy like that a long time over there in uh, Chicago.
1: It's only been 70 years since the Bears have had a franchise quarterback like Dak Prescott, but we're working on it with Justin Fields. By the way, our Monday night spotlight with our Eagles reporter, Tim McManus, and our Cowboys reporter, Todd Archer, is coming up at 7.30 p.m. All right, it's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. I promised you this before the show. I said, Jordan, I'm gonna read you the Bears offensive numbers from yesterday's twenty six to six loss to the Cleveland Browns. And I know bad and
2: offense, trust yes, me. Yes, you do. I do. Even
1: you, as a grizzled New York Giants reporter,
2: thirty first in the league. To last appreciate year. Thirty okay. first in the league. Only the Jets incompetence kept it from being thirty second. Okay. So let's bring it. Let's let me let me hear.
1: These are I'm the a numbers connoisseur a of bad offense, by the way. These are the numbers the Chicago Bears put up yesterday. I was there in Cleveland against the Browns. Six first downs. Okay. Laughable, but not like totally obscene. But six first downs. Pretty bad. Third down efficiency, they were one of eleven. Okay. Which is nine point one percent.
2: I've seen that before, though. That's awful, but I've seen it.
1: Total net yards for the Chicago Bears. Forty seven. Whoa.
2: Okay. Not sure I've seen that. That's forty seven?
3: Forty That's less than half
1: the field. Correct. For the game. Here's the kill shot. For the game. For the game. They didn't
2: make it they didn't make it more than half a field.
1: No. Net yards Here's the here's the kill shot. Well, there's a couple of them. Here's the number one though. Okay. Never seen that. Net yards passing. One. What? One. (laughs) <laughs> one wait is that, is that an NFL passing. record
2: I mean like since they've actually passed the ball right I mean they, they, not that not back in the day when they were you know in leather helmets and there wasn't a such thing as a forward pass but it's hard to imagine anybody Bears, did less than one
1: one net passing yard is uh their fewest since week 12 of 1981 when they had minus 20 net passing yards Their 47 net yards are the the fewest in any game since that week 12 in 1981. The Bears averaged 1.1 yards per offensive play. All right. That's like the mic drop right there. I'm out. Never
2: seen that. 1.1? 1.1. Can't you just dump the ball to the running back on third and 15 once in a while and get six yards and say, got a few. The Bears
1: don't do the screen game very well. They do this bubble screen that never works, but the screen game that doesn't really work. (laughs) I've seen that bubble screen.
2: I know Jason Garrett knows that bubble screen.
1: (laughs) Okay, that was the second fewest yards per play in the last 20 seasons, the Bears 1.1. The fewest, by the way, ironically enough, the Cleveland Browns back in 2004 when they averaged 0.6 yards per offensive play. Bears are in pretty good company there. Justin Fields was sacked nine times. So let me me present this to you, Jeff.
2: Yes. You go back to Justin Fields as a starter if everybody's healthy in the next game?
1: Yes. I mean, I would. I would. And here's Matt Nagy, the Bears head coach. I was sitting right there in the front row watching a very downtrodden Matt Nagy conduct his postgame press conference. He said yesterday, and he reiterated it today, that he takes the responsibility for Justin Fields' performance.
4: I obviously, as a head coach, did not do a good enough job of uh, getting this offense ready to go to be able to play and win a football game. So uh, it starts with me, it ends with me, and uh, it's as simple as that. This is not how we wanted it to go. You almost can't even make it up. It's that bad. Uh, so, but we got to get to the film, and we got to make sure that we're hard on ourselves and we understand the whys um, and, and really just go from there.
2: I could feel the flames through that comment, like under his seat. You know, that seat is hot in uh,
1: a matinee. It has to be, right? I mean, well, the, the problem is, is that really his future and the Bears' front office's future, everything's tied to Justin Fields, right? If Justin Fields turns out to be a really good player and has a really good rookie year, and the arrow is pointing up going into his second season, I think these guys are going to be okay. But when your future is so intertwined with a player that goes out there and is part of an offense that has one net passing yard and 47 total yards and is sacked nine times and whose throws, I mean, after a while, um, when you watch Justin Fields play yesterday, his passes were sailing everywhere because he was all messed up after getting hit so many times by Miles Garrett and that Browns defensive line. So, yeah, I would say, Jordan, it's not, it's not great job security to have an offensive performance like that in Justin Fields' first NFL career regular season start.
2: Does the bloom come off Justin Fields' rose just a little bit? I know you, I know we're all sitting here saying he's a rookie, but you know every, he's a rookie. He was a tough spot. He and he's getting crushed, but that's a, that's pretty bad performance. I mean, everybody was saying the Bears have to start Justin Fields. What are they doing? They have to start Justin Fields. Maybe, just maybe, and I I think there's a lot of validity to this right now. Maybe it was not a terrible idea to go veteran starter with Andy Dalton right away early in the season and then maybe work him in later on in the year when you're not going to get him killed.
1: I agree. I felt that way since the beginning. You know, he had to play because Dalton has the left knee injury now that injury is probably going to keep him out again for another week, maybe two weeks. I don't think after one start you put Justin Fields back on the bench, but obviously, Jordan, things have to get a lot better for the everybody. The real
2: problem is that their offensive line is terrible with the rookie quarterback. That's the – and trust me, I've seen it. I saw it with Daniel Jones a couple of years ago. It's a terrible combination. It, it really is a terrible combination. There's days where he has no chance, and you, you really know – He's just going to get beat up, take hits, fumble, turn the ball over. like, and, and that's what Daniel Jones had, what, 11 lost fumbles that year. And uh, it, it, there was just games where I, you just knew nothing,
1: no chance, zero. Nine times. Nine times. And you don't move the pocket. <laughs> you don't move the pocket for a guy that's biggest strength is his mobility. So very confusing times in Chicago. But don't be confused with this. Be part of of Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. College football is back, and so are the fans. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper. The one fans deserve. Let's have some fun next segment. Let's recalibrate the top teams in the NFC. Jordan can also rip the Giants if he wants to and their offensive line issues. It's all coming up straight ahead. Spain and Fitz, it's ESPN Radio.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
1: Tams are tough, no doubt. They've got everything, and now Matthew Stafford's playing the best quarterback in the NFL at the moment. It's Spain and Fitz, Jordan Renan and Jeff Dickerson in for the duo tonight. TSPN Radio, the ESPN app. We're also on Sirius XM Channel 80. Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. I was in L.A. week one, Jordan. Checked out SoFi Stadium, which is, I mean, glorious if you haven't been there before. I know you're going later We'll the be there year. later
2: this year. How's the food? That's what I care about. They got to go buffet me? there. Like,
1: it's like the best spread that there is. I mean, there's actually a lady working there. It's like, can I get you anything else? Like, what do you need? Can I get you <laughs> more salt and pepper? We've got uh, filet mignon fajitas. We've got all this prepackaged food. We've got salads. We've got iced tea. We've got sandwiches. We've got everything. It is. Uh, quite the so this deal is, there this
2: is what us sports writers care about the buffet you know <laughs> really at, at the stadium you know the, the old we are fitting the stereotype of <laughs> middle aged fat reporters gouging on free food let's it, go it,
1: it, it is top notch <laughs> and the team is top notch and i would say jordan after 3 weeks is there any doubt that the rams right now in the nfc are the best team
2: Look, I was big on the Rams coming into this season. I thought the Matthew Stafford. I was always a big Matthew Stafford guy. Like, I really just thought, I mean, the dude is good. He just played in such a bad environment. Such a bad, really, organization over the years that he had no chance. And they were decent for some years, which which you realize is probably a pretty decent, a good accomplishment there during that time. But now, now, you're bringing him to L.A. in Sean McVay's offense. Remember, they had the number one defense in the NFL last year, so they were already really good. Now they have the front runner for MVP in Matt Stafford throwing the ball around the yard, and he did it against Tampa Bay. I know Tampa Bay was a little, you know, shorthanded in the secondary, but man, he looked great, Matthew Stafford. He's looked great all year, and now that they have that quarterback, like we realized that was the deficiency. Sean McVay realized that was the deficiency with that team, right? Jared Goff was good enough to be good with, but he really wasn't good enough to be great with. No. And Matthew Stafford is that, and we're seeing it. What do we have? Uh, This is from William Hill, right? These odds here? Yes. Okay. So, uh, Caesars. Sorry, Caesars. So, the Rams are plus 400 now, right, to win the NFC. And the Bucks are, are the favorite, but at plus three hundred, the Rams are the second favorite right now, and that gap has closed. So I actually, considering they won that game, they won pretty easily. I know Tampa was a little beat up. To me, the Rams are like my top team in the NFC to to you know to make it to the Super Bowl this year. Where where do the, you stand, Jeff?
1: I, I agree with you, and the fact that Sean McVay got to a Super Bowl with Jared Goff should te- be a testament. To Sean McVay's ability to call plays and coach the quarterback position, he doesn't have to coach Matthew Stafford like Jared Goff. Here's my best Jared Goff-McVay story. It was 2018. The Bears and the Rams were playing on a Sunday night. That was a game that had two great defenses. Chicago's defense was historically great that year. The Rams were awesome. Aaron Donald was going crazy that season. The headsets, Jordan, went out. Okay. The headsets during the game went out. Jared Goff, without the ability to have McVeigh talking to him in his headsets and talking him through everything before the cutoff time comes, Jared Goff looked like a kid that was about to be hit by a train. He had absolutely no idea what was going on. Sean McVeigh would coach him up so much during games. It's, it was remarkable. And now he's got a veteran that has seen it all. Make and every throw. I'll, yeah, make and make every throw. I mean, Matthew Stafford passed for 5,000 yards one year in Detroit. In Detroit, he passed for yeah. 5,000 yards.
2: I think he threw for over 40 touchdowns that year, right?
1: That I mean, was an did. amazing year. Now, he's not the same player. He's older now. But you can tell. You you put him in the right system with the right pieces around him, and look what's happening. So I I think the Rams at 3-0 and are a great story. I can't quite figure out the Panthers, though. And now that Christian McCaffrey is going to be out for a couple of weeks, I don't know where it goes from from here. But just for them to get off to such a good start, Jordan, is pretty impressive.
2: It is. But, I mean, we're not really considering They're plus 2,500 here. I'm not really considering them a serious candidate to to make a run in the NFC. I think we saw the Packers. The two teams we saw last night are teams that could make runs. Uh, I've been a little worried about Green Bay's defense. I don't know about you. Uh, Their defense to me is just – there's something just not right there. They 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 they, they can't I don't know. Right now with the defense in its current composition, I know they're without Zadarius Smith and that's a huge piece and maybe that changes it, but I don't know. I, I can't see that defense. Be, I know Aaron Rodgers is great, but if that defense is the way it is, I have trouble seeing them. Maybe San Francisco? You you believe her in them at all?
1: Uh I'm I'm not a big believer in San Francisco. Nothing to do with what happened last night against the Packers. That actually turned out to be a very good game. Arizona? A very slow start for the Niners. I mean, I love the quarterback in Arizona. I mean, I, I love the system. I, I think they, the NFC West, really from top to bottom, is stacked. I mean, it's the best yeah. division in the NFC by far. Um, I can see Seattle's kind of slumping right now. But I by can the still way, they're the Seattle the worst
2: defense in the NFL right now.
1: Which is amazing to see. Second year in a row after three weeks. That's just amazing for as good as they were defensively for all those years. Legion of Boom under Pete Carroll to be that bad. No, but but I again I think it's I think the Packers are in the conversation. Certainly the Rams are atop the list. So Jeff, let's
2: let's say we we have the Rams and the Bucks. We agreement, right? One two. Sure, of course. All right, and I think the Saints have
1: to be in the mix too. So who who's your number three? I would say maybe the Saints right now. Saints or the Packers? Yeah. Even with Jameis. Even with Jameis. See, I mean, that's I would a well coached team. I would
2: say the forty
1: ers What do you like so much about San Francisco?
2: I just think they have a little bit of everything. They they they're able to run the ball. They got a good scheme, but they can still throw it around the yard. I they got some good versatile receivers and that defense is pretty good. They get the healthier they get, that defense is pretty good. You know, Bosa's a, a difference maker, man. He's he's dominant player. Fred Warner, great player. I mean, they got some big time players, so if and and let us just say they go to Trey Lance at some point, you know, and that kind of could take, maybe take them to that next level because they have they can take the time here, they could see like if they make that determination that hey, Jimmy G can only take us so far, let's see if we can take it to the next level. This is our opportunity. We gave him you know ten weeks. They didn't have to throw him in like your boy Justin Fields right away. They could ease him in there. I don't know. I, think I see that potential.
1: Garoppolo. I'm a bigger Garoppolo fan than most people. I think the reason that Jimmy Garoppolo was playing is because he frankly gives them the best shot to win. I, I think right now? Right now, but I mean, I don't know what's going to change in the next couple of weeks with Trey Lance. I just felt like he was such a project pick. You know, not really playing for a couple of years, playing at a small school. I'm not saying that that automatically means he's not going to be a great NFL quarterback, far from it. But, you know, Garoppolo did take them to a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. They're paying them a ton of money. It just yeah, maybe like the shiny the toy, just the shiny toy entices me. I don't know. Sometimes you can't be that kid in Walmart that looks at the shiny toy and convinces your parents to buy it. We are brought to you by My Computer Career Training for a Better Life. We will bring you our Monday Night Spotlight, brought to you by My Computer Career Training for a Better Life. That's coming up next. It's Spain and Fitz. It's ESPN Radio.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
1: Jordan Renan, Jeff Dickerson in for Spain and Fits. It's our Monday night football preview brought to you by Progressive Insurance here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. We're also on Sirius XM channel 80 presented by Progressive Insurance. Should be a good one tonight, Jordan. The Cowboys host the Eagles. Both teams are at one and one. Let's go out to our Goodyear hotline and welcome in our great Eagles reporter for ESPN. Tim McManus joins us on ESPN live from Dallas getting you set for the game and Tim let's start with Jalen Hurts how would you assess his play through the first two weeks?
5: Well, I would say up and down and uh, a tale of two games you know the, the first one JD he was the best version that we've seen on the the pro level where he completed 77 percent of his passes the ball was coming out quick he was running the offense about as well as it could be run and, and they demolished Atlanta and then last week the completion rate fell down to 52%, which happens to be what his average was over his four starts last year. Uh, Just not as efficient. There were more shot plays. It was a harder offense to execute. And so he needs to strike that balance, I believe, this week against Dallas. I mean, you can't always be doing kind of the the quick bubble screens out, right? I mean, you're going to have to test the defense down the field, stretch them, keep them honest, take advantage of some of the speed that you have at the wide receiver position. Like you saw last week when he hit Quez Watkins for a 91-yard gain down the right sideline, uh, but there has to be this kind of balance that he needs to strike in order for this offense to be at its optimum.
2: Tim, how's it going, man? First of all, uh, Jordan, what's up, so f- man? I feel at home. This is like you know my, old, my little NFC East bubble here. But uh, I love it. I, you know what the Philly fans are like there. You know, up and down. But where's where where is everybody on the Jalen Hurts belief meter at this point? Like where where do they stand on is he or isn't he, our guy, long-term here?
5: Well, as you know, it's a week-to-week operation here in Philadelphia, Jordan. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big roller coaster. Like, so after week one, all the doubts and worries and concerns were out the window. His, his jersey numbers went, went up 500%, and all of a sudden, he was the number two best-selling jersey in the entire NFL behind Mac Jones. And then he goes out, and he has a, a lesser performance against San Francisco, and A lot of returns like, hey,
2: in week two. They, yeah, everyone returned yeah, them. I guess.
5: Yeah, where do I ship this this jersey back to? Uh, no, not quite that extreme. But but people are you know entering this week with I guess less uh, certainty about whether Jalen Hurts is the guy or not. And really, that's what this season is, is largely about: is trying to figure out exactly what they have in Hurts. But I can say, even though there were two extremes in week one, week two, I think the trend that we started seeing from the beginning of the summer to the end of it was a quarterback who was really taking coaching well, who understood where he needed to get better and was focusing in on those areas. And that's, you know, playing better within the structure of the offense better with the rhythm throws, improving his accuracy, learning, and he learned the playbook, um, you know, up and down and, and sideways. And so um, I think that there's more optimism than there was maybe at the start of the season that he can be possibly the guy moving forward, but, you know, don't hold me to that because if he if he uh, lays an egg on Monday Night Football, we know exactly what the reaction will be in Philadelphia tomorrow morning.
1: Uh, last thing, with Tim McManus does such a great job covering the Eagles for us at ESPN. Tim, I know Zach Ertz is active tonight. What kind of role do you expect for him coming off that COVID list?
5: Well, that's a really interesting question because what Nick Seriani said this week was that he essentially had two different game plans. Uh, one that included Zach Ertz and one didn't because of the uncertainty with with him landing on that COVID list at the beginning of the week. Uh, you know, I don't think it's going to be an extensive uh, portion of the game plan for Ertz this week because if you don't know for sure that he's going to be there, you have to march forward uh, and come up with a lot of a lot of different alternatives. Where Dallas Goddard is going to be your lead guy, you're going to be working out of the 11 personnel. And so while Ertz is going to be on the field, I would imagine that the slants. That the, that the snaps will be slanted towards Goddard in this one just because of the uncertainty that surrounded us this week.
1: Tim, enjoy the game. Keep up the great work,
4: okay? I appreciate it, guys. See you soon,
5: From, Tim.
1: All right, Spain and Fitz. It's our Monday night preview here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. From Tim McManus, we go to Todd Archer all over the Cowboys for ESPN's NFL Nation. He's next up on the Goodyear Hotline. Todd, is this going to be a special night for Dak Prescott? His first game at AT&T <laughs> Stadium since that injury.
3: I think it's a special night. That it's NFL Nation takeover on this uh, channel, all right? know, right no, look at oh, this. I feel at home, Dak. really, Yeah, he just came <laughs> out on the field for the for warm ups and the big cheer. One up. It is his first game that he's had since breaking his ankle here at the stadium uh, against the Giants last October. Yeah, he he's kind of downplayed all these kind of thresholds and, and checkpoints that he's hit along the way, but. I know this means something to him to be back out there. And the fans obviously are happy that he's back out there and, and off to such a good start. Um, but but he's ready to just kind of play football and, and put each ankle deal, uh, each ankle checkpoint by him and just start playing again. And it, it'll be good for – it was good to see the, the cheer, I'm sure. But once the game starts, he's going to be focusing on that Eagles defense.
2: Todd, we, we saw last week, we saw Tony Pollard much bigger role is that going to continue is that something you 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 can see them really sticking with or are they going to eventually get back going more towards zeke and when when it's working with pollard maybe then they'll roll with him but in the meantime it's it's still zeke's you know he's he's the the major ball carrier
3: yeah i still think there's no doubt he's the rb1 here right and and not just because of his contract maybe that's that's a part of it But, you know, he played well last week, too, against the Chargers and picked up a lot of tough yards, key yards, and and Pollard was able to work the the edges really well. So they believe, like, they've got a really good combination of two guys that do different things well. But from a fantasy perspective, I still think at the end of the day, you're going to see Elliott be the guy who was the bulk of the carries. And even tonight, you look at his history, six of his eight games against the Eagles, he's rushed for at least 96 yards. Said five games over a hundred yards against them, so you know he's had success against Philadelphia during his career. They're going to use both of these guys, but I have a feeling tonight this could be a, another Zeke night, just because of his history. And again, he's played he's played well this season. And, and you know we, we harp on the Tampa game because that was just a bad running game overall. But I don't think you're going to see them phase him out or or give be this a fifty fifty deal. This is going to be. More, I think, 65-35, which, again, is more than what it's been in the past. But you look at Mike McCarthy's history, he's only one or two years has had two running backs kind of evenly split the carries. Even he's been a guy who's relied on one guy when he was up in Green Bay.
1: Todd Archer is live in Dallas hoping to preview Monday night's game between the Cowboys and the Eagles. Todd, let's talk about injuries here. First of all, how is Amari Cooper? And secondly, how thin is that Cowboys defensive line going to be tonight?
3: Yeah, and then Mari Cooper, you know, was off the injury report by the end of the week, but he told us he had cracked ribs, not bruised ribs, cracked ribs. I know we're a little extra protection uh, here in this game, but here's another guy. I talked about Zeke's numbers against the Eagles. He's put up some fairly good games against the Eagles as well. I think he's got five 100-yard games against him, had a 217-yard three-touchdown game against him a couple years ago, so he's lit him up pretty good. He said he feels okay, and you're never going to be 100% but he wants to be the best receiver in the league, so I'm going to play while I'm hurt. We'll, we'll see how that goes and because and, he's had games in the past where he's been hurt and he's not been as effective. As for that defensive line, the fellas, I mean, it's the, the projected defensive line that they had at the start of the season looks nothing like what they are, they're playing with here in week three. Demarcus Lawrence out with a foot injury. Neville Gallimore messed up his elbow in the preseason. You got Micah Parsons now having to play Basically, full-time defensive end. Randy Gregory's back from the from the COVID list after missing a game last week. Their tackle situation, it, 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 I wish I could I could tell you their names, but no one's going to know who they are, so it doesn't really matter. I mean, th- this is going to be a rotation at best, and we'll see how Dan Quinn works this and how he brings pressure tonight and how he keeps Dalen Hurts in the pocket. That's been their big thing this week. Don't let Hurts make plays with those legs outside the pocket. Keep them in the well and and try and contain him that way and make him beat him with his arm.
2: Here's the real question, though, Todd. Are the 77,000 people there, or whatever the number is going to be today, do they really believe like, – are they full believers in Mike McCarthy? Do they have confidence? I, I still can't really get over the way that game ended last week. Like, after that, I don't understand how you could have confidence in him full – like, say, this is our guy. He's going to lead us to the playoffs, to the Super Bowl, whatever – after seeing the way that game ended last week, what do people like there with the Mike McCarthy?
3: It's still a wait and see, and I think everybody's waiting to see the guy that went to four NFC title games, won a Super Bowl, went to the playoffs nine times, won the division six times. Everybody's waiting for that guy to show up because there's been a lot of questions, not just through the first two games this year about game management, but all of last season and some of the things that he did as well that you kind of excused as a one-off because of the pandemic and the defense being so bad, but you're right. Like game management, look, he he has nothing to do with the offense. This is Kellen Moore's show. This is Kellen Moore's offense. This is the same language that Dak Prescott's had since he's so been what's here in he 2016. Well, that, that's true. Yeah. Game <laughs> management better be what he does well because he doesn't do the defense, and obviously, he's not the special teams coach either. So you better be on top of all the game management situations. And last week, they can spin it however they want about the clock going out and this clock being blocked and all this, that, and the other. But there's no way you let that much time go off the clock to where you're sprinting to the official to call a timeout, four seconds left. They kick a 56 yard field goal. I didn't know a 56 yard field goal was in field goal range. <laughs> now, if you have Tucker in Baltimore, okay, that's field goal range. But I didn't know if Greg Zerline, even if his nickname's Greg the Leg, I, I, I'm not waiting for 56 yards on him and counting on him making it. They, they kind of got bailed out by their kicker last week. So, you know, he's a guy that he's not been above 500 as a coach since week six in 2018 in Green Bay. The Cowboys haven't Woo. been above 500 since a week, I want to say 10 or 11 of 2019. So this is a team that needs to win and get on a roll, and this is the first of 3 shade home games for them, and one of them is against your Giants there, Jordan. Yeah, see in a couple the Cowboys weeks. are expecting to be 4-1 and one with after coming and then going up to New England and see how they fare there.
1: Thank you, as always, my friend. You're the best, Todd. Keep up the great work, okay? All right, guys.
3: Good talking to you. Speak soon. Todd
1: Archer and Tim McManus giving us the scoop from Dallas Cowboys and Eagles coming up on Monday Night Football. We are brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $700 on average. Call or click today and find out if we could save you hundreds on your car insurance. Coming up next, Jordan thinks Big Ben is done. He'll explain. Darn. And Tom Brady returns to Foxborough this weekend. Perhaps you've heard. That's all next. Spine and Fits. It's ESPN Radio.
0: Spain and Fits, the podcast. Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
1: It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Jeff Dickerson, Jordan Renan sitting in for Sarah and Jason. And don't forget, news from Spain and Fitz Nation. Just hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. Bad loss, Jordan, for the Steelers against the Bengals yesterday. Yeah. And a lot of people might be surprised that Pittsburgh is off to a 1-2 and two start after their nice Week 1 victory. But you, my friend, do not seem all that surprised. No that perhaps Ben Roethlisberger is not having the type of year that many expected.
2: It's over for Big Ben. I said it two years ago when he hurt his elbow. It was over for that class of 2004, that great quarterback class of 2004. Phillip Rivers, Eli Manning, Ben Roethlisberger. You saw Rivers go to uh, Indy for a year. They weren't going to win with him there either. He couldn't throw the ball downfield. His arm was kind of shot. Eli at the end, we saw what happened with him. Ben, same thing. It's over for him. It's over for the Steelers. They keep going down this road. He's not good enough at this point of his career to put the team on his back and be the reason they win. And they're not good enough around him to keep wanting to go back to this well. Right? Their offensive line is still not very good. Right? They're not a great running team. I know they drafted Najee Harris. Dude caught 14 passes. Right? 14 passes the other day. They, that means that means Ben's just dumping the ball off. 29, almost 30% of his passes are at or behind the line of scrimmage. Like This isn't the way you win in today's NFL. Uh, the Steelers do not have the recipe. When you keep, and, and look, trust me, I cover the Giants, when you keep trying to roll it back and keep trying to make it work with a quarterback who has been there forever, he, you're, you're used to him being the guy who can carry you, and it's just not there for him anymore he's not he can't he, he can't play at that level anymore where he could say all right we got a decent defense i'll take care of everything on offense let's go get on my back get on my shoulders it's not happening for the steelers and that's why they're stuck in this spot they're really stuck in this same spot they've been in they're running in quicksand now for 3 years it's time to move on
1: the and, good and teams like what, the good teams do it earlier rather than later true they always cut Earlier rather than later, and I'll tell you what too. That's a good division. The Browns are legit. I'll tell you that right now. I know they lost that game to Kansas City. They should have won. That is a legit team. I like legit the legit quarterback. The Bengals have a lot of pieces to build with, and they've got their Not franchise win quarterback year. in Joe Burrow. Right, and then the Ravens are always going to be the Ravens. They're always going to be tough. Someone that agrees with Jordan about Big Ben is Field Yates. He was on ESPN Radio's Prime Time. And Field said that Big Ben is a piece that's holding the Steelers back. There's no two ways around it. This team's got some championship pieces. Defensively, they are very good, even if they were a little bit sloppy today. On offense, they've got three good wide receivers. The offensive line's a major work in progress. They've got a young running back that we all like in Najee Harris. Ben Roethlisberger is a problem right now, Harry. He just is. And I know Steelers fans are blindly loyal to Ben Roethlisberger, and they deserve to be, right? He has been the most important player on two separate Super Bowl winning teams. I think they went to a third with him as well. There's no two ways about this. Ben Roethlisberger is a first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the all-time greats. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, right now we are seeing the, seeing the serious signs of decline. Yeah, three Super Bowls. They lost that one to the Packers. In Dallas, that might have been one of the last Super Bowls I covered. Or maybe it was Indianapolis. I can't remember. Dallas or Indy. They lost to the Packers. But, you know, Jordan, it's, it's tough. I mean, you went through it with Eli in New York. It, I mean, you, common sense says it's time to say goodbye. Yeah. But there's always that emotion. Like, this guy has meant so much to the franchise. He's done so much that you try to delay it as, as long as possible.
2: That Super Bowl was in Texas. You were, you're on the money. Dallas. You, yeah. so don't, doubt, don't doubt yourself, Jeff. We know your money.
1: I was there. That's the game yeah. that were uh, – they didn't have enough seats for the fans, you remember? And there was it's all the, the ice. The ice
2: also. There was the ice oh, in Dallas the, the whole week. Was, That's the ice
1: was – Again, quick, quick story. I somehow finagled tickets to the commissioner's party that year. But I was given – the Bears gave me the tickets. But they gave me the tickets to the owner's part of the commissioner's party. There were two separate parties. I walk into the owner's party. It's all the owners. And there's Jerry – Middle of the party with his ha- head in his hands, just shaking his head. Like, what a disaster this week has been with the weather. And then the seat fiasco was even worse. So, yes, Dallas. Jeff, and, yes, Jeff Dickerson
2: I. in his sweatpants at the owner's party. <laughs> They're like, who is this guy? Who let this guy in? Who's this show? Oh, it's like Bob from Buffalo. You remember that commercial where Bob from yeah, Buffalo, yeah. he won the lottery. And this guy showed up, and he's like, you know, got the beer in his hand, the big belly, and the wings, the, chi- the chicken yeah, Excuse me, Mr.
1: Rooney. I'd like to get up to the bar <laughs> and get myself a drink. Hey, Jerry, how's everything going? Oh, Mr. Spanos, pardon me, sir. I'm just getting a couple of drinks here. You know, I got my tickets. Uh, I'm like, wow, what, what, a, what a miss by the Bears to give me those tickets. Yeah, I mean, they're like, I was representing the organization that night.
2: What are we talking about here? We're talking about Big Ben.
1: That <laughs> you talk about Big Ben all you want because you got Big Ben done. thoughts.
2: It's done. You got it's Big over. Ben thoughts. We, we need, we need, we need to, we need to move on. Get to get to a new quarterback until we want to bring the, the, the Steelers up with the serious contenders in the AFC. Because, you know, I mean, I'm still I'm still on that Chiefs bandwagon. I don't know about you. With one and two. Yes. But yes. I mean, I'm still not doubting the Chiefs as being the team to beat that. But that's a good division now. So it'll be the AFC kind of gets, getting interesting. There's more there's more contenders in the AFC, I think, than there is in the NFC.
1: It's a good division, and I'm telling you, the Chargers, what a home run they hit with Justin Herbert. I mean, that's like, hey, you want to flip your franchise around? You want to flip your fortunes? You draft a quarterback like that, who a lot of people were doubting coming out of college despite his career at Oregon, despite those numbers, and he's, he's been great. That's a, that's a tough team, but I, I'm with you. I've, I've seen too much from Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and that whole system to write them off after one bad one and two start. I'm not, not, not going to turn
2: either. the ball over four times a game. That's the thing. They're not going to turn it over four times a game. You ready it's to rule an out anomaly. the Patriots? You're, you're ready to give up on the Patriots? Like, Do you consider them even in that in that group at this not point? Not even
1: in the mix, as far as no. I'm concerned. No. This is a total – they're rebuilding, and they've got to hope that they got the quarterback right. and it's gonna, you know, Brady's gonna go to Foxborough, and the Buccaneers are gonna roll them, and I, I just feel like that's that's inevitable, don't you? Can you see Brady going back there and losing? I can't see that. I can't see that either. I mean, yeah,
2: Bill Bill Belichick though, it's gonna be a little. This start. Look, he's still the greatest coach, you know, maybe that I, that probably that I've ever seen. But uh, you know, that conversation's coming about. of, hey, was it more Tom than it was Bill?
1: Yeah. It's a good conversation to have. That'll be had a lot this week. Coming up next, I covered a historical game yesterday for all the wrong reasons. We'll explain next. Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.
1: A very sad Jeff Joniak, the voice of the Chicago Bears in Cleveland yesterday. It's hour two of Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Jordan Renan and Jeff Dickerson in for Sarah and Jason, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests on this show appear via the Goodyear hotline. And news from Spain and Fitz just hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. Yeah, that game in Cleveland was pretty rough by, I think, anyone's standards. And, Jordan, it's, it's only week three. And we already have people calling for one NFL head coach to be fired. Typically, that's like an NFL Nation thing in, like, week 13 or 14. We do that. You know, hey, hey. How hot is your coach's See, hey, 32 for 32. But it's week <laughs> three, and people already, Jordan, think the Bears got to fire Matt Nagy. A little early for that, isn't it?
2: Maybe, but I will say this. Uh, you know, I know somebody who was talking to the Bears in the offseason, and they said to me, you know, I don't know about the stability of that situation. I it just it, it just doesn't the the hierarchy. It's all messed up. Like it, it, there's no way that's going to work. So I think that it was kind of known before this season within those walls that things had to go really right for the, for them to kind of survive this season. Like they couldn't survive a bad season, and now they're kind of off to a bad start. I mean, is there any way around that? And uh, no. I, I don't think, I really don't think, that talking about him, Matt Nagy, being on the hot seat is really off base at this point. I mean, there's no doubt about it. If they don't have a winning record, let's say they go eight and nine, you think he could survive?
1: Depends how the quarterback plays. Seven. If they go eight, and nine, and the quarterback plays pretty well, they can make. What about seven argument. and ten? Well, same thing. How's the quarterback playing? Below seven wins is going to be a tough sell. If it's a real disastrous year, it's gonna be a tough sell to everybody to keep that whole thing intact. And we'll see. I mean, Dan Orlowski, uh,
2: The problem is are, let's yes, say but, let's say they go seven and ten, real quick. Let's say they go seven and ten. Right. You really wanna be like, Okay, we'll give it one more year, then it doesn't work that way, then you're changing quarterbacks in his third year. I mean, changing coaches for your quarterback in his third year, I think that might even be worse.
1: What the Bears do, my friend. They like to delay <laughs> the inevitable. See, they're like the Steelers a little bit, a little old-fashioned in their ways. I mentioned Dan Orlovsky, our seasoned ESPN NFL analyst. He was on Greenie today on ESPN radio. And Dan believes that Matt Nagy needs to be removed immediately.
5: The coach should be moved from his position of
1: coach. They should fire Matt Nagy. He had 149 days since the moment. He drafted Justin Fields to build this game plan. It was the worst offensive game plan I've ever seen in my life. And it was either intentional or negligent. You either showed everybody that you're incapable of taking talent and building a plan in an offense around a certain style and skill set talent wise. Or you took that talent and said, I don't want to do it. I'm going to set him up to struggle. I'm going to set him up to fail, and our whole offense. So it was either or. It's very black and white to me. Twenty drop back passes, 13 times. They played five man protection. No help to that offensive line against a Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney led defensive line. It's just a, a malpractice coaching in every aspect.
2: Okay. All right, come on, Mr. Bear. I, I can okay. see. I can see your the, your head's about to explode right no, now. No, no, no.
1: Because I. <laughs> I agree with Dan that it was one of the worst game plans, unfortunately, that we have seen covering the NFL in a long time. The Bears averaged 1.1 yards per offensive play. They had 47 net yards, one net passing yard, six first downs, one for 11 on third down. Let's just put it out there. The game plan stunk. The execution stunk. It stunk, okay? Now, there's a difference between having a bad game plan, and intentionally sabotaging the team to fail. That's not happening, okay? I mean, that's just not. That's not even in the realm of reality. Matt Nagy doesn't want to lose. He doesn't want Justin Fields to look bad. The Bears aren't doing this on purpose. They're just doing it because it's what they do, okay? This is a franchise that has perpetually been stuck in the mud on offense, this is nothing new. I've covered games like this. I've covered games as bad as this. You know, and so we're doing our – what what we do in NFL Nation is, Jordan knows we have our Slack chats uh, during games with our, uh, the other reporter that's covering the other team and our editors. And Jake Trotter, who has been spoiled because he covered Oklahoma for a long time, he saw all these touchdowns and all these points, covers <laughs> the Browns for us. And at one point – He knows Jake, what good offense looks like. He, he knows what offense looks like, right? He's been with Baker for a long time. At one point, Jake goes, this is the worst offensive performance I've ever seen at any level. Prep, college, NFL, at any level. And I wrote back, you haven't watched much Bears football, have you, over the years? Because they've just done this a lot. But Jordan, I, I highly doubt that anyone is trying to get fired in week three of the season. It's just, they just do Aren't doing a good job. I I don't think they're doing it on purpose. They just unfortunately are showing you that perhaps this isn't what they're cut out to do.
2: Yeah, no. I mean, I don't think anyone's sabotaging themselves. I mean, they just did a poor job. Okay, I don't think people realize how quickly things go. And I, he Dan obviously does. He's been on the sideline. But I'm talking about general fans. Like how quickly things move on the field, and how you know things just start going bad. And sometimes coaches can't just reel it in. And they can't just get themselves on track. And I think yeah. looking from a distance, that might have been what happened to Matt Nagy and the Bears. But, like we said, when you're kind of on that hot seat entering the season, you can't afford performances like that. Because I always say, you know when people get fired in this league, when your fan base basically can't take it anymore. When the fan base is so fed up with an owner, with a, not an owner because owners never could get fired, with a general manager or coach, when the fans have just had enough of the, the general manager or coach. It puts so much pressure on the ownership, where ownership for the purposes of their own business has to get rid of those guys. And the question I, I now bring to you is, how close are the Bears to that? Because after that performance, obviously you hear everybody complaining about about Matt Nagy. So are the Bears getting close to that performance, where for the purpose of the, the business of the organization, they can't afford to have both Matt Nagy as the coach, And, you know, with the same general manager as well, rolling that back as well.
1: Well, I I think, I think the business of the bears franchise is Justin Fields. He's their business, right? And they have to do everything they can to make this work. People have been begging for this for two generations to have a quarterback. They feel is a true franchise quarterback. If it reaches the point where they say he's not developing, like if this continues to happen, if, if, there are weeks and weeks that go by where he's not passing for 200 yards and he's not running and he's getting sacked and he's turning the ball over, which he did not do remarkably, despite all the pressure he was under yesterday. He didn't turn the ball over and everyone's
2: blaming it on his offense.
1: Right? So if this continues to be an issue, then you have to take a hard look and say, wow, okay, this guy's our future. This is our business. And it's not working out. And then I think changes could be coming. But not right now and not after his first career NFL start. I think you have to give this time. But I will say this, Jordan. If they continue to not play to his strengths, if they continue to not help him out to move that pocket, if they don't max protect, if they don't do all this stuff, they don't throw to the tight end, they don't throw to anybody, they don't get the running game going, It's going to be tough. It's good. It's going to be really tough going for a guy that I think everyone knows has all the ability in the world, but the bears, if they want to save their jobs, they have to develop him. But it makes
2: zero sense to do it during the season of a rookie quarterback to, to change a a coach on the rookie quarterback and then have even offensive alterations mid-season makes zero sense.
1: They don't fire people during the season. They, they don't, um. Now, if people stop showing up to games at Soldier Field, that's what gets them is the bottom line. That's what happened with the John Fox, those terrible years. Right.
2: That's is that what happened the end, with the Giants with Ben McAdoo. Yeah. People were so fed up with him, they were going to protest coming. at the stadium. Right, They were going to protest his yeah. his existence. And when that happens, that, that affects the pocketbooks in their business. Yeah. You got to get rid of the coach.
1: If, if you want to get on, if you want to seriously get an owner upset, you take money out of their pocket and fans stop going to – the games that is how you enact change ESPN radio is presented by progressive insurance at progressive they're making things even easier they'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both learn more at progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE coming up week three will be remembered as the week of what we fill in the blank straight ahead Spain and Fitz it's ESPN radio you're
0: listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
1: You've got Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Jordan Renan and Jeff Dickerson sitting in. We are brought to you by Goodyear with you for every mile on the road to greatness. Goodyear, more driven. Let's have some fun. All that firing talk about Matt Nagy and 1.1 yards per offensive (laughs) play for the Bears. was so depressing. Week three is not in the books just yet. They just kicked off in Dallas. Eagles and Cowboys will keep you posted anytime there's a score before we get off the air at the top of the hour. But we want to have some fun and play a little bit of a fill-in-the-blank game. So, Jordan, I will ask you this, my man. Week three will be remembered as the week of what? Aaron Rodgers' uh,
2: reincarnation. I, he never really left, but everybody, some people thought, oh, you know... Aaron Rodgers, the Packers, they're on the decline a little bit. He didn't want to play this year. He wants out of Green Bay. None of that matters. Dude's still a stud. He went down there, played his butt off in San Francisco. And what happened at the end of the game when they needed it? He only needed 37 seconds with no timeouts to drive his team down the field. That's how good Aaron Rodgers
1: is. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, I go, to, I go to this game in Cleveland yesterday when my eyes are bleeding watching the Bears' offense. I get back to the hotel after the game's over, and I turn on the Packers, the Niners, and right away Aaron Rodgers is just jing, 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 ching, just throwing Zip. down the field. They, brought, they had this beautiful, you know, the Bears can't do anything. They got this beautiful goal line play where Devontae Adams goes in motion towards Rodgers. He takes the shotgun snap. He freezes the linebackers. Devontae Adams runs right back to where he started. And he's wide open for a touchdown. I mean, it's just like that's how offense is played in the NFL. What is so that I motion
2: think, you speak of? Jason Garrett does not understand what that, that motion you speak of is.
1: Yeah, motion. It, make it works. Sense. Motion? It, it, motion works. No.
2: No. Yeah. No.
1: Jason Garrett. What do you got? Too. What do you got? So I think AD. week three will be remembered as the week of Sadly, bad rookie quarterback play wasn't just Justin Fields on Sunday. Everybody wasn't just Justin Fields. Zach Wilson, rough game for the Jets. Mac Jones, rough game for the Patriots. Trevor Lawrence throwing the ball up for grabs in Jacksonville against Arizona. Rough game day for him, which should serve as a reminder to everybody how difficult it is to play quarterback in the NFL. And how doubly difficult it is to be a rookie starting quarterback in this league. It is hard. These guys are coming at you so fast. You're not playing against 19, 20-year-old kids in college anymore. You're talking about you got to get rid of that football in a second or two seconds, otherwise, you're on the ground. There's coverages are, are, you know, they disguise these coverages, they confuse you. So it's so everyone clamors for the rookie quarterbacks to start right away, but Jordan, it's not an easy assignment for these guys.
2: No, it is not. It is not. Look, I saw it. I saw Daniel Jones two years ago, and he he took his lumps as a rookie. You knew there was weeks he was just going to get his face beaten in. He was going to get his teeth kicked in, and he had no chance. But I will also remember this week as the week yeah. where the realization setting in that Dave Gettleman,
0: oh, your guy,
2: he's, he's joining Matt Nagy. On that hot seat. We're building. Yeah, you've been building for four years. Hey, by the way, the Giants are in an offensive line rebuild. This is amazing.
1: We're this building. Is your, year eight of the offensive line rebuild, Dave. enough, gentlemen. Year
2: eight. I get it. You're building. We're, We're building. building. We
1: fell in love. We fell in
2: love. Jordan, healthy as a hoss. He said that this summer. Healthy as a hoss. Killer line. But no, I mean you can't be fifteen and thirty-six as a gentleman. Do you know how hard it is to be twenty-one games under five hundred in the NFL, dude? I, I Twenty-one think that's games what, under five hundred.
1: I think that's what Ryan Pace was the first three years. He why
0: was should people Mets. trust me? Why shouldn't they?
2: Do well, twenty-one games under five hundred? That's, that's, that's why, why. Dave. I some point what you're building. Some point you got to be building results. <laughs>
1: I know could build you're a house, Dave, too. It doesn't mean I, it, would be, it would stand up and be sturdy. We could all build. Jeff,
2: we know nothing about personnel. Don't you think if they gave you six years to build a team, like, you could luck into something after, like, six? I mean, four years is, is I mean, how much more can you get? <laughs> six years, I mean,
1: I mean, what is it going to get? More, more time?
0: Why should is people enough. trust me? Why shouldn't they? <laughs>
1: That's awesome. I, I hope he stays in the job just for the sound bites alone. I think Dave Gettleman is a gift to sports talk radio across this country. Hey Dave, and the longer, yes, what up? And the longer he <laughs> has the job, the better for all of us that are sports talk radio hosts. Keep him lifetime contract.
2: Uh, Cowboys up seven nothing. By the way, that, you know that's to be the team the Giants are chasing. Got to got to watch out. Dak yeah. is back, baby.
1: They they That's look they've looked good this year. Zeke with the touchdown run. Uh, extra point is good. 7-0 Cowboys 11:47 left to go in the first quarter. They've looked good. I mean that that loss to Tampa in week 1 was a great game. They were right there, Jordan, and then they beat a good Chargers team in week 2. I've never been a Dallas believer because I always think they find a way to screw it up in the end they will they'll figure out how to do it uh, yeah but i think that's gonna be later i think it's gonna they're gonna make the playoffs and it's gonna be like a nfc championship game type screw up or something like that but they've got they've got all the talent they need they've got all the they got all the guys they need that off we don't know
2: anything about it but when you have a star quarterback a stud quarterback it changes everything everything i mean i the giants had it but before i got there covering you know eli manning especially in the playoffs was that but like Dak is Dak's legit, man. He's legit. Oh yeah. How about this though? I like greatness, so I'm gonna remember it for Justin Tucker. I mean, are you kidding me? 66 yards to win a game, and not only that, the way he doinked it off the bar, and then it just trickled over. And the funny part was, I, Albert Breer dug up a clip. He brought it. He brought this up to him, Albert Breer, Monday, you know, morning quarterback. He, Justin Tucker. Did this before in like the preseason in 2013, where he hit a bomb, and it hit the pole, hit the crossbar, went up and went over. It was it almost looked identical, except he barely celebrated that because I think that was the preseason. This was 66 yards to win a game, best kicker hands down, NFL history. Never seen anything like this guy. No, nope, it's never.
1: ridiculous how good he is. Like and he be sings. First ballot Hall of Famer. That's how good he is. He might be. And he sings opera. As Jameson Hensley told us years ago with that video he took for Espn.com, <laughs> the the guy does it all. And you know what? what? In a league do? in a league where kicking is at a premium now that extra points have been moved back, to have a guy like Justin Tucker is such a luxury for the Ravens, man. That was an awesome kick. I mean he does
2: everything. Is he married to Giselle's sister too or something? Like him him and him and Brady?
1: Got that connection. Is he? Is no, he really? I made that up. I totally well, made I, up. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, the guy can do everything. <laughs> He's got great pipes. You know, he can sing. He can kick. He's That's got what the I'm leg. saying. He's he got does the voice. everything. What can he do?
2: Justin Tucker's the man. I mean, I never thought I'd be sitting here waxing poetically about a kicker.
1: A kicker. A kicker, but a great kicker. Amazing. Like, the best kicker of weapon. all time. Yeah. And, never and that him. ball Barely. hitting the crossbar it, but... and going in is, is like shooter's touch for a basketball player. Like when you're a basketball player and you've got the great touch, you can, like, go at the toilet bowl around the rim and then finds a way to go in. That's the equivalent right there with Justin Tucker did for the Ravens yesterday. So yeah, he
2: yeah, he's is married to his, his uh, college sweetheart or high school sweetheart. He's doing all right. So, so sure. you were close,
1: almost Giselle's. Sister. Yeah. He's got everything. I mean, does it surprise you? He was almost Tom Brady's brother-in-law. Almost. <laughs> all right. We go around the NFL with ESPN's Jeff Saturday. He joins us coming up next, gives us his thoughts on the Cowboys and also Matt Nagy and the Bears. That's straight ahead. Spain fits. It's ESPN radio and the ESPN app.
0: Spain and fits the podcast. Spain and fits the podcast.
1: Spain and fits. Jordan Renan, Jeff Dickerson in tonight on ESPN radio, the ESPN app. We're also on SiriusXM XM channel 80 presented by progressive insurance. The Eagles just score on a defensive touchdown. It's seven, seven. Now Philadelphia in Dallas, First quarter, 9.57 left to go, and ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $700 on average. So, tight game right now in Dallas. Let's bring in Jeff Saturday. Our great ESPN NFL analyst is with us on the Goodyear hotline. And Jeff, we just mentioned the Eagles just scored to make it 7-7. Let's start with that game tonight. And just overall, with the Cowboys through their first two games, how impressed have you been with Dak Prescott and the rest of his teammates
4: yeah I've been really impressed and honestly I mean let's just take off the Dak Prescott part I mean I, I think the Cowboys as a team I've been impressed with I mean I think they had a good plan against the Buccaneers week one I mean obviously that's a huge game quarterback coming off his injury um but I thought they had I thought Kellen Moore did a good job with game plan right they tried to take advantage of the mismatches on the defensive backfield and you know they gave it a puncher's chance, man. They uh, they obviously didn't come out with the win, but they played a good football game, and then take it to week two, and they get Pollard and Elliott really establishing that run game. I think they ran for close to 200 yards, um, and, and then obviously Dak continued to play well on the back end of that. But I think I think that speaks volumes about what their offense needs to do. Um, Is and I think that's that's going to be big for tonight against this Eagles front, right? I mean with Fletcher Cox and Zach Martin, like that battle is going to be good, but they need to establish that run and then allow, um, you know, Dak and those big plays to come. And it's not because of the scoring, it's because it helps benefit your defense for the Cowboys, right? As It keeps them fresh, keeps them fast. Um, you know, people talk about it being complimentary football, but, but I think that for me has been the most impressive um, it, it from the Cowboys is just their ability to adapt. Uh, and I got a lot of respect for what's happened so far.
2: Hey Jeff, how you doing? I'm I'm curious. How, what's your opinion? How do the Cowboys? I mean, you had a star running back, and at some point, you know, he he starts to get older. But how do the Cowboys sort of make that transition or use them both without sort of alienating Zeke at this point?
4: Oh man, I think you just give them you give them touches, and whoever's hot, they're going to get the touches and. And look, man, from a from a player perspective, um, you know, I, I did it with with um, Edrin James and Dominic, you know, and, and Dominic Rhodes and Joseph Adai and Rhodes and and Mungro, and I, mean, I can name, you know, we, we had we had a bunch of different backs who came through and were what you consider like a you know the, the a, a, a a you know kind of a duo that you would go back and forth. And the truth is it keeps everybody fresher. And 17 weeks, you is a long time. Like, That's there's true. a lot of body blows that running backs take. And it's the most physical position in football. I mean, you're literally getting freaking smoked, you know, play in and play out. Um, so, it, it, in my opinion, it's silly to try to just ride a guy uh, over and over when you have the, the kind of the one-two punch. They can both catch out of the backfield. They can both protect. Zeke's probably even a better pass protector, but you know, Pollard can jump in there and do that. I think I think it benefits the team and I, I, I don't think players take it personal like people think they do. I mean it's if it's better for the team as long as you're not just icing him and putting him on the bench, which I don't think they have any intention of doing, I think it benefits Zeke's game and, and the Cowboys offense as a whole.
2: So Lee, let's just get this straight for a second. You're saying that running back is more physical and harder physically than offensive line. Do, do, do I have you on record? Is that what I'm? Is that
4: what I'm hearing here? Oh my god! <laughs> let, t- let me tell you, I'll give you a great story. You'll love this. I picked up a fumble, and I think we're playing. I think we're playing the Jets. And Edge dropped it, and I scoop it up, and I ran, and I thought I ran for about twenty yards. I ran about two and a half, probably. But I got hit so freaking hard by these linebackers. I mean, I mean, this is no joke. I, there was parts of my body that were sore I didn't even know it existed, and and I and I, I was thanking God that I held the ball because all I wanted to do was just give it to him. I was like, I don't even want it anymore. Like, <laughs> y'all take it, you know? I mean, it hurts so bad. And I looked over at Edge and I was like, bro, how do you do this? And he laughed. He's like, that you can't take them shots, bro. You got to get down, like duck and dodge and like put your shoulder down. I was like obviously I'm not nearly that athletic I was like I'll take being a sitter for uh you know for 14 years over that running back position bro because the, the beating those dudes take yeah you can keep it you can you could keep that I'll, I'll go ahead and gladly admit that <laughs> I'm I'm, uh, I'm
2: Google searching this by the way as we speak Dude, Jeff you you go I'm I need to I need to find this
1: <laughs> Jeff Saturday's with uh, us love on it. Spain and Fitz. it's ESPN radio and the ESPN app Jeff, I was in Cleveland yesterday for Bears and Browns. What a debacle for Chicago. Holy cow. 47 net yards, one net yard passing. Justin Fields was sacked nine times. You know, Matt Nagy has taken a ton of heat uh, since that game ended. Is it more on the coaching staff or with a performance like that, should more blame go towards the players? Which one is it?
4: No, I, mean, I, th- I think Maggie I, – I, so, listen, I'm never going to call for someone's job or say, you know, that, that to me is is a bit over the top, right? Like, it was not a good game plan. And I'll tell you why it's not a good game plan. Like, you, you're taking a, a a rookie quarterback and you're putting them in a lot of protections that were five-man protections when you're off and they're, your five can't block them. And so, knowing going in that you're going to get pr- – leaving him in a stagnant position to take that on whether it be with a zone read on the front side of it or whatever he's he's in place. And so when you hear people talk about like moving the pocket and and doing those things, the reason that's advantageous is because you get the quarterback moving and you're making the defenders now chase you and he can be more aggressive to drive to the line and and do those things, right? So so, you know, in, in my opinion, it was it was not a good game plan. Um, but but there are things that Fields will take away and learn. I mean, there, there was a there was a throw, throw he could have had on a zone read to Mooney. His his hips were turned the wrong way um, to make that throw. But in the future, he'll call that fake off and he'll just take the snap and deliver the ball. Right? I mean, Peyton Manning and Aaron Rodgers did it all the time in our offenses. They would call things off or give like a quick call. So that the back would would clear, so they could put the ball where they need to put it. Like they, you begin to understand how everything fits in totality. Well, Fields isn't there yet. You know what I mean? They had a seven man pro. I think actually the only time they had max protection, and and it was a third and ten, and their they, the defense is basically playing sticks, which means they're protecting the the first down, and he could have dumped it off to the tight end just to not take the sack or the hit, right? And so what you're trying to teach him is. You know, there, there are plays that you, you live to play the next play, bro. Like, don't take the body blow. Get rid of the ball. Let Kim or whoever, you know, whoever catches it. If they can make a big play, great. If they don't, we punt it, and we put one of the best defenses in the league back on the field. And so th- there's things that everybody can learn from. Uh, it was not a good game plan. It was not a good design. You know, 10 runs, you know, very little tight end. Chip help. Um, or, or back help, which is – I mean, j- just contrast that to last night with the Packers and think about how many times their, their tight ends and their edge guys – I mean, they one time I think it was uh, Tanya almost, uh, almost killed uh, Bosa on the side, right? And, and it's, it's those shots that, that, that as the game progresses, you really limit how much um, pass rushers really want to rush. And so that's the, that's the, the crime of it all is that you didn't really give Fields an opportunity to be successful and how you designed it, but he'll learn from it, man. We all do. We've all, listen, it ain't the first time you've had a bad game plan. I can tell you that. I played in them, and there are days you walk away and go, man, You know, we really screwed it up. We just didn't give ourselves a chance. And, and I know Nagy will walk away feeling like that, um, but I don't feel it was intentional. It just it, it, it wasn't put together and oiled right. Oh, my turn here, Jeff. I'm busy
2: watching your AFC Championship fumble recovery. That's all that pops up, by the way. Oh, for the I'm touchdown. Not, I'm, I'm now, that's to, the one yeah. we got to
4: talk That's the real one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to decide if you were actually across the goal line or not. That's what I'm trying to do here right now. I'm not so hey, sure. Hey, if I, there can, I can help you with did... the
4: answer. <laughs> I can help you with the answer. Does he raise his hands in the touchdown? That's what <laughs> it is, bro. Touchdown. <laughs> so t- let's, let's end
2: on this one here real quick, right? The Rams. They take care of the Bucks big game, obviously. Does that make them, in your mind, now the team to beat in the NFC? We knew they were going to be good. They added Matthew Stafford; it looks to be working really well. How does the hierarchy of the NFC now stand in your
4: eyes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, week Week Three, they're the best team in the in, in the uh, in the in the NFL. Week Three. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind. Like if you look at them, but you know they don't they don't hoist trophies in Week Three, so. Um, other teams will catch up, but man, M- McVeigh yesterday called a, a, a just a spectacular game. Cooper Cup, man, they were getting him open with rubs and that man. And and let's be honest, man, the, the Buccaneers' defensive backfield is decimated right now, and they took full advantage. And and they should have, right? JPP's not there, it's, you know, it, it, which is a completely different rush style. Um, so yeah, they're, they're the best team in Week Three, and and I think uh mcveigh said it best look man whether you win or lose you don't you don't you know you don't ride too high or too low in week three you just want to keep getting better um but they are a team to be reckoned with on both sides of the ball special teams they're well coached um they're intelligent football players so they're going to be there at the end barring some kind of catastrophic injury so so right now i would tell you they're the best team uh week three
1: Jeff, as always, my friend, thank you so much for your time and for your insight. We truly appreciate it. Thank you so much.
4: I had a blast, folks Have a great one.
1: Jeff, Saturday with us here on Spain Fits on ESPN Radio going around the NFL. Coming up next, we'll check in in Dallas. It's a good game. The Cowboys are driving again in the red zone against the Eagles. And Josh Gordon back in the NFL. Will he make an impact with the Chiefs, we discuss all that straight ahead. It's Spain and Fitz with Jordan Renan and Jeff Dickerson sitting in on ESPN Radio.
0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.
1: Spain and Fitz back with you on ESPN Radio along with Jordan Renan. I am Jeff Dickerson. Don't forget, tune in to an NL East battle tomorrow night as the Braves host the Phillies. Coverage begins at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. And we, as always, are presented by Progressive. All right, we got a tight game, Jordan, in Dallas at 7-7. Cowboys and Eagles still in the first quarter. Dallas took the ball back after the Eagles scored a defensive touchdown. They drive down the field. They go for it on fourth down with Dak Prescott. Does a QB sneak. The officials are saying he's not in. The Cowboys are challenging that. And from my vantage point here in Chicago, it looks like that Dak Prescott might have gotten in with the second effort, but we're waiting to see what the uh, the challenge bears here.
2: This after there was a challenge on the previous play that they overruled a the touchdown and put it back on the half of you, the one inch yard line, basically. So, so yeah, a lot will, of action in Dallas. A lot of NFC, action, East, NFC East, man. What do you what do you think? What, what are your feelings on the NFC East? You you big on the Cowboys? You think anyone in the division can run with the Cowboys? Washingtons look terrible. No,
1: no, no one Giants in that division. Awful. Giants, the Eagles, I, I don't know if Jalen Hurts is going to be the one that takes them to where they want to go. They'll probably have to redraft that position here at some point. No, I mean, they, I mean, listen, on paper, the Cowboys should be the class of the NFC East. There shouldn't even be a close second, but they are the Cowboys, and they do Cowboys things, and, and they make you not have all the faith They'd in the lose world home in to them. the Eagles today? Like,
0: well, they, which, which you know, they would you know, wouldn't,
1: wouldn't be the most, like— Shocking thing in the world, but they shouldn't. Look, this is their first home game. Their first game back with Dak as a starting quarterback since the injury. Like, it's what did Archer say? 77,000 people, like the biggest, like, you know, sporting event, you know, since post-COVID or something. That so, I mean, they, they should absolutely blow the doors off the Eagles tonight. But judging by how the first quarter is going, it's it's going to be touch and go, as it usually is in these NFC East games. The thing about the
2: NFCs is that when you, whoever you think is going to win the division never actually does win the division. It's crazy. Like, uh, there's been no repeat winner since, I think, the Eagles in '04. I mean, that's crazy. The Eagles in '04. you You're talking like the Andy Reid, Donovan McNabb era. Every year, different winner. And somehow the Giants haven't been there forever either on top of that.
1: Well, they just won a couple of Super Bowls earlier. They did, but they
2: didn't win it as a division champion, remember?
1: That's right. Either time. That's right. That's the crazy Um, part about it. We have an update from Dallas. No touchdown. Play calls the stands. (laughs) Dak is confused. Carthy's confused. Perpetually confused. Um, So no touchdowns. Eagles will take over on their own one-yard line. Game is tied 7-7.
2: So if you want a second screen right now, you go to social media as you listen to us right now, and you go laugh at all the Cowboy fans complaining about the calls because that's what they do, right? You're going to hear them whine. The refs are against us. They hate us. They're always out to get us. And, you know, give some good entertainment for a few minutes here.
1: I mean, that ball is on, like, the one-inch line for the Eagles. They better be careful here not to get a safety or turn the ball over like that. Oh, almost like Dak Prescott did. Uh, in the end zone, uh, he was knocked into by his own lineman. The ball popped up in the air, and an Eagles defensive lineman caught it for an, an INT uh, return for a touchdown there. So we'll keep you posted on this game. We do have some news via Adam Schefter, as we always do via Adam Schefter. Earlier today, Josh Gordon has been reinstated. He has <laughs> expected Jordan to sign with the Kansas City Chiefs practice squad with the expectation that he will quickly be elevated to their active roster. Adam reports that the reason that Josh Gordon chose the Chiefs over multiple suitors, according to Schefter, is that he feels there's a long-term potential there in Kansas City. So when I tell you, Jordan Renan, that Josh Gordon is back in the league and is going to sign with the Chiefs, your reaction is what? I mean, come on.
2: I hope it works out for him. I hope he has, you know... Conquered his demons. Uh, he's been suspended. What do we have? What do we count? The count's at eight, we, we said before. Somewhere in that range, eight suspensions. I hope for his sake, for his own personal well-being and health, it all goes well. But in, in a football perspective, until you see it, I don't know how you believe it. Hey, Jeff, how young were you the last time Josh Gordon had 1,000 yards in the season and was a real significant player? I mean, we the were, last time we were about. we were we
1: were young and spry, baby. I mean, I was covering a Mark Trestman-led Bears that began the year three. Mark Trestman people are like people are like Mark Trestman. This is the answer. There's After people listening those... to
2: the show who don't even know who Mark Trestman is,
1: and, and they should not know who Mark Trestman is. They, he never <laughs> should have been the head coach of the Chicago Bears. But we're like, oh man. Mark, finally, after all that boring winning under Lovey Smith and the defense, let's bring an offensive mastermind in here. Let's bring a guy that once sat in the booth with a Bill Walsh. Let's bring a Grey Cup winning championship coach from Canada back to the States. I mean, in 2013, for about a month, people loved Mark Tressman. Then they realized that, (laughs) you know, it was not really what it was cracked up to be. And. And that's the last time that Josh Gordon was really dominant in the NFL.
2: 2013. So I mean, I hope it works out, but I you just I don't know how you could sit there and really count on much. I mean, if he happens to produce and contribute, it'll be a bonus for the Chiefs and good for him. But I, you know, I wouldn't go run out and pick him up in fantasy and, and count on him being on your roster. I remember I made fun of my buddy like three years ago. He was like he had Josh Gordon. he's like, hey, Gordon's coming back and I'm like, You're you're gonna trust him? Like you how could you trust that he's gonna help even your fantasy team? And then like th- he lasted like two games or whatever. So
1: You you and I love a good story. It's what we do. Yeah, like we well, love stories. I, I hope stories. it works out. Right. And he
2: but, catches a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl and you got this great
1: redemption story. But I mean, how many sequels have we seen here? This is like the Fast and the Furious. We're like a, like sequel eight or nine. I mean, this isn't you know, it's it's the story's been written. It's been told. It's,
2: you know, fool me once, fool me twice, fool me nine times. Nine I mean, times.
1: I mean, am I really going to go out and buy my Josh Gordon City Chiefs? Nine times.
2: <laughs> there you and go. Right times. on Like,
1: like the, I mean, the amount of times that the Cleveland Browns sacked Justin Fields is the amount of times that Josh Gordon has now been in the league uh, suspended. By the way, we're apparently Fast and the Furious Part 10. Um, has been indefinitely suspended. Filming has been suspended. So we're we're still at nine sequels for Fast and the Furious. <laughs> That's, you know, and I, I, I laugh. My son is into that. I don't know if your kids are in the cars. Like, all the kids around.
2: Mine is, but he's two, my little man.
1: But, I mean, like, they're in the cars. He's like, Dad, you know, you got to buy a Porsche. I'm like, who do you think I am? <laughs> what do you think I do for a living, son? Dad, you got to buy a Tesla. You got to buy this. J.D., he
2: walks around with you in Chicago, and he sees the respect and people are like, oh, there's Jeff Dickerson. He,
1: he, he thinks
3: you're oh, a big shot. You he thinks you're Lambert rolling 80. in the
1: dough. Oh, you gotta get off a Bentley. I'm like, son, you have no idea what it's like these do NFL what Nation reporters—they
2: do—you know, radio
1: nowadays, all over oh, the place. Man, so they must, nah. But he did—he he did make me watch like Fast and the Furious like seven. It was actually not bad. I'll Tell you, this, just not bad. I won't say great, but it was not bad. All right.
0: Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio.